Hey, and welcome to the 12 Stone Church Podcast. Thank you so much for taking time to be a part of today's message. We hope it inspires you, encourages you, and deepens your faith in Jesus. Enjoy the message. Amen. Wow. Listen, we usually end a service saying, for God is good, and what do you say? all the time, and then all the time, let's do it right off the top, wherever you are, at 12 Stone Live, or one of the campuses, or, or if you're at 12 Stone Home, let's do that together. For God is good, and all the time, we've established who God is, and he has good things for you today. So before I, I jump into the question of the day, let me just give you a picture. When Marsha and I got married, we imagined that marriage looked a lot like this, that we would be a couple of cozy on the couch and we would have oneness and togetherness and happiness and, and just love and be loved. And then we experienced over time that marriage was more often like this, that an elephant comes in the room and gets in between you and the elephant in the room is just an idiom, meaning it's it's... It's the unaddressed issue. It's the unaddressed problem. It's the broken promise. It's the unaddressed dysfunction. It's the next thing that surfaces in the relationship. And when you, when you think about addressing it, it's very stressful. So it's, it's like an elephant. It's big. It's enormous. It's obvious. And nobody wants to talk about it. And the elephant in the room creates all sorts of problems. Now, maybe you know by now that we've been interviewing some 12 stoners who have a little more experience in marriage and asking, how do you navigate this? Well, I love the way this couple, uh, the McQueers, answered this question. So here it is. Just how do you handle things or what are you trying to avoid? (laughs) This is still an ongoing thing that we struggle with. Are we allowed to say that? (laughs) So we're empty nesters. We have adult children. And as they go from dependence to being independent, that transition with uh, money and supporting them, what we should or shouldn't support. So my way of dealing with it is, let's just not talk about it. Because if we don't talk about it, then we won't have conflict. Works, right? We're working (laughs) through it. Just being honest. Yeah. <laughs> uh, how many of you have ever had a problem, an elephant in the room, you just rather not talk about it? Come on, just admit it. We'd rather avoid it. We'd rather not talk about it. That happens everywhere in life. So let's get to the question of the day. Let, let's talk about this together. We all want a healthy marriage and family, but will you evict the elephant in the room? We all want a healthy marriage and family. Of course we do. We we want healthy relationships, but will you evict? Will you what, everybody? Evict. I can't hear you. Will you what? Will you evict the elephant in the room? And the obvious answer is yes. Easy to say, tougher to do. Kind of like this couple who is just trying to get on the same page. Check it out. So, I know we've been avoiding talking about this, but I think we need to address the elephant in the room. I know. I, I know, I just, I would have brought it up sooner, but I just know this isn't gonna be a fun conversation to have. So. So. The budget. Your mom. What? 
Hmm? What did you say? Oh, no, I didn't say anything. <laughs> yes, you did. I said the budget, and did you say my mom? No. No, 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 no. I, I said your mom. Dang it, I couldn't think of anything to say. <clears throat> well, getting on the pay same page isn't easy. And the truth of the matter is, that's real life, real marriage, real tension, real elephants in the room. And we're going to talk about those today. And this is not just a married issue. This isn't just for marriage. There are elephants in the room in your single life and in your dating life, in your friendships and among roommates and during your educational season and when you get in business and among coworkers and in the community. And there are elephants in the room in churches and in our governmental institutions. Elephants in the room happen in all relationships, including the family. And there's complexity to that for all of us. And so here we are in this week three of the second happy. And, and in this conversation about the second happy, we've described that, that everybody's happy when they get married. Right, most of us, I do, it's awesome. And then with time, if you become unhappy, less happy. And you think, well, I'm in an unhappy, miserable marriage. Let's move on and get another one. So what is the second happy? Well, kind of like a house. You find your dream home, you buy the house, you move in, it's awesome, and then you eventually find its flaws. You're like, well, I'll sell it, get another one. But there's something new, a trend in the culture, which is renovate your house. And when Marsha and I did that, after falling out of love with our house, we renovated, reinvested, and fell back in love with the same house, a second happy, with the same house. Well, that's true in marriage. If you will invest, if you will renovate your marriage, God will build a second happy that's more fulfilling, more powerful than the first. And there are seven practices. Look at them. Here they are on the screen. Reminder of where we walk through the book. Practice one, break the quit cycle. Number two, hands up prayer. Number three, pick a fair fight. Number four, take a near two. Number five, don't settle for the hollow Easter bunny. We were there last week. And number six, evict. Say it with me. Everybody do what? Evict the elephant. Number seven, choose your bucket wisely. And we're going to camp on this evict the elephant conversation. And why? I mean, if it's so stressful, why even have the conversation? I mean, just why not just avoid the stress? We're going to step into the life of King David, the one who conquered Goliath, the author of most of the Psalms. And I think David would tell us why. I think David would say, evict the elephant. And I want you to see why. And I don't want to rush past this. I want, I want you to see this. I want us to slow down for a moment. I want you to get this statement. Because the stress, and every time it's bolded, wherever you are, 12 Stone Home, online, if you're live, one of the campuses, if you're right here with me, if you're alive, I, want, I want you to read the blue bold, loud and proud. I want you to absorb the weight of what I think David would tell us. Because the, what everybody? Stress of evicting the elephant is what? Far less than the suffering of living with the elephant. See, if you don't know that, you'll never evict the elephant. Because it's stressful. But once you figure out, listen, once you figure out that by adopting the elephant and making it your family pet, what you actually do is add 
to the present and long-term suffering. As soon as you know this, you'll evict the elephant. So let's walk into David's life, shall we? See, Scripture does not hide the greatness of David's life. What an amazing king. Power of God on him. Nor does Scripture hide the great messes that he made. He was human. He made mistakes. He fell. He sinned. And David paid a huge price. Great suffering. Great what? Suffering. For not evicting the elephant. I'm, I'm going to show you the end of one of those experiences. And then we're going to back it up. Look at the end. David in 2 Samuel chapter 18. King David was shaken. Listen. David's used to having the enemy shake and tremble. Here's the moment for David in time. In this moment David was shaken. He went up to the room over the gateway and wept and said, if only I had died. Suffering. So that suffering, that, that suffering could have been avoided had David just dealt with the elephant in the room. We're going to back it up and talk about David's life. But let me just take a time out and a pause. Today, the spirit of God, wherever you are, whether you follow Christ or not, God's going to speak to you. God's going to reveal elephants that are in the room for you. And it's going to be very personal. And it produces a certain pressure. And you think, I could just relieve that pressure if I dismiss. But didn't you show up? Aren't you listening today? Aren't you engaging whatever day you're listening to this? Did you come to this teaching hoping God will transform you? Don't you want better relationships, whether you're single or dating, better work relationships? Don't you want a, a more fulfilling life? Don't you want your marriage to work? Don't you want to help the, the, the next generation, the family that you're building? Well, then, then God's going to reveal these things to you. Do not underestimate what God's about to do. And you're going to have to evict the elephant. I pray you have the courage to do so. I wish my parents had. Yeah, they, uh, they got pregnant in high school, 17. They um, left high school without graduating. Had three kids by the age of 20. I was number three. It's the mess of a life. But they came to faith in Jesus a few years later, and they had a chance. Hear me, they had a chance. They were in church. They had Christ. They had the Holy Spirit. I'll bet there were moments like you're having today where the spirit of God arrested the elephants and it was going to take courage for them to evict the elephant. I wish they had because our family lived in a lot of pretense, like a herd of elephants. <laughs> we just never talked about them. We tried to look better than we lived and pretense wrecked my life. Honestly, you know, I was, uh, my parents divorced when I was in middle school and when I was 16, I remember I asked my dad to lunch. We were already distant. And my dad, in my earlier years, having come to faith, he was, you know, teaching our, our like Sunday school children's church, and he was talking faith, and then there was conflict in the way he lived. But by now, he was, 
he was off on another path, but kept calling himself, I'm a follower of Christ. And at 16, I sat down with my dad. I got this call to ministry. And I sat down and I said, dad, over lunch, I remember the courage it took. I'm, I'm like, I didn't know the picture of, of evicting the elephant. I didn't know I was addressing the elephant in the room. But I, I said, dad, you talk this and you live this. You talk, follow Jesus, but you're not following him. And it just took all the courage in the world to say to him. And I expected this was going to be like a breakthrough with my dad. He said, son, I, I don't even know what you're talking about. I follow Jesus. And the conflict of the two lives and the dual life that he lived. And by 17, we were estranged and for 40 years. All I'm saying is this conversation is not casual for me. It's very personal. It was very personal for David. And it's going to be very personal for you. If you'll engage. So engage. We can learn something from David. See, David wrote this, most of the Psalms, and, and Psalm 101 is likely where David uh, was being crowned king, or when all of Israel came under his leadership, or maybe when the Ark of the Covenant came in. We're not sure, but here's what he wrote. I will walk with integrity of heart within my house. In other words, at home, I'll be a person of integrity. I, a perverse heart shall be far from me. I won't befriend that elephant. Uh, I will know nothing of evil. No one who practices what? Deceit. Who practices what? Deceit shall dwell in my house. There's not going to be any elephants in the room. This is almost like a, a, a vow, like you would a marriage vow. He, he declared the right things. And then, and then listen, and then David became a man of deceit and brought it right in his house. So let me, let me walk us through the weight of Scripture. After years of success, and in 2 Samuel chapter 11, it tells us that, that when kings go off to war, David stayed home. So right there is an elephant in the room. He's now deceived himself. He's now told himself, I don't have to be about my duties. Let me just pause and tell you, you have duties in life, places you're supposed to be. And when you dismiss that, what, was he tired? Did he just, did he want to, you know, tired of battles, tired of fighting, tired of the things God asked him to do, tired of being the, the king he was supposed to be? Whatever his self-excuse, and we excuse a lot of things. And listen, you have to lie to yourself to get an elephant in the room. You have to deceive yourself. And he said, well, as king, I get to decide not to go off to war when kings should, when I should. That was the beginning of the elephant in the room. Now there's an elephant in the palace. Have mercy. Then he sees Bathsheba. Oh, he's kind of out on his balcony. He looks down and sees Bathsheba. He ends up having an affair with Bathsheba, another elephant in the room. In fact, look, let me, just, let me just help us here. You might not be getting the full picture. I want you to get the full picture of what happened in the palace. David just plopped an elephant in the room. And now there's an elephant in the room in the palace, and, and, and he has an affair, and, 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 and he's not talking about it. Nobody is, and she gets pregnant, and, and, and now he's got to do something about it. But he has the affair with the wife of one of his warriors, mighty men. And then, and then instead of dealing with the elephant in the room, he makes it a pet. And he says, oh, you know what? We'll live with this. No big deal. And then he has, he has her husband, Uriah, killed. And then he marries her like that's noble. And all the while, there's now an elephant in the room and nobody's talking about it because he's king, he can't. And David created this. Now they've adopted the elephant. Now he's in real trouble. Let me, let me just pause. All David had to do is address the elephant in the room. Come on. Just be where you're supposed to be. Listen, there are places 
where you're supposed to be because of the duties and responsibilities you have in life. And sometimes everything breaks down because you just fail to be where you're supposed to be. Where are you supposed to be? And they enter into our marriage and they enter into our life and they undo the best things. And God sent Nathan, a prophet to David, to evict the elephant, to expose the lie. It, you know what's interesting? If when David, if when David decided not to go to war and he walked out on the balcony at that moment, don't you know the spirit of God arrested his attention and said, David, what are you doing? In that moment, David could have rescued himself from breaking four of the Ten Commandments. Don't covet, don't lie, don't commit adultery, don't murder. Four commandments he broke because he would not evict the elephant. And Nathan said, listen, what you've done, here's what God's telling you. What you've done in private, God's going to let happen in public. You slept with another man's wife, another man close to you will sleep with yours. Now, God wasn't creating the consequence. David did that. God can just see the future like we can see the present. And he knows what David just did to himself. And now David has huge suffering because the baby from that affair is going to die. Look at what scripture says. Look at his suffering. David pleaded with God for his child. He went without food and spent the night laying on the ground. He refused to get up. But on the seventh day, David's child died. I don't know what it's like to lose a child, but I know this was suffering for David. And it's suffering that didn't have to happen. Fast forward. Hmm. David has multiple wives. That's not God's design. That's a whole nother conversation. And David has, if you will, I'll call her wife A, and she has a son, Amnon. And he has wife B, and she has a son, Absalom, and a daughter, Tamar. Watch what happens in the palace. And Amnon, one of David's sons, rapes. Tamar. And what does David do about it? Listen, nothing. He does what? And he says, nothing. He says, what? I can't hear you. What did he say? He avoided it. Here we go. You know what we got now? Oh, if I had more of these, I'd bring them out, but I only got two. So there we go. He get another elephant in the room. And I know it looks cute sitting here, but it's not in your real life. Now he's, now he's got another elephant in the room, elephant in the palace, elephant in the family. Nobody's addressing it. Amnon rapes Tamar, horrific. Absalom, the older brother of Tamar, is just welled up with anger and rage, understandably. And David's not dealing with the elephants in the room. Then Absalom kills Amnon escapes, later comes back and overtakes the kingdom and kicks David out of his palace and now sleeps with David's concubines. Oh, just more trauma and elephants in the room. Then David's army finally overtakes Absalom and his group. And at the death of Absalom, when David said, please don't take Absalom's life to his own army, please don't let my son die. Absalom is nonetheless killed. And this is David's lament right back where we started. King David was shaken. He was what, everybody? Shaken. He went up to the room over the gateway and he wept. If only I had died instead of you, Absalom. Do you see what's going on? The suffering. And David would say, listen, if I had just had the courage to deal with the elephants, evict the elephants, do you know how much suffering I could have saved myself and my family? You know how much suffering... Uh, my parents could have saved 
our family. They just had the courage to deal with the elephants. You're not avoiding anything. You're postponing and multiplying the sorrow. If you don't know that, you won't have the courage. What suffering could you save in your marriage and your family and your life and relationships if you would just deal with the elephant in the room? All right, I got to move on. That just mess me up. How do you do it? You evict the elephant. This is in, in the book, The Second Happy. And if you're picked up the book and you're reading it, evict the elephant inwardly, evict the elephant outwardly, and solve it one shovel full at a time. Keep it right there, guys. Listen, you got to evict the elephant inwardly. You got to get honest to God and say, I got an elephant. I helped create it. I'm part, I, God, I, got, I can't deceive myself anymore. You got to evict the elephant outwardly. Listen, you... I've been praying leading up to this day, wherever you're listening to this, oh God, would you give us the courage to own it and say, God, I got I to gotta, I gotta own it internally and I got to acknowledge it to others. Man, I'm praying even right now as the Spirit of God reveals these things in your life, whether they're small or large, get them early and solve it one shovel full at a time. Listen, if you're a teenager, lean in right now. If you're in college, lean in. If you're in your 20s, lean in. I learned this one shovel full at a time from Mr. Byron. He was a principal in my teen years. Told me this story and it marked me. It shaped me. It literally changed my thinking. I've used it a thousand times in my own head and heart. He said, I had this massive vision of a project of landscaping, re-landscaping the backyard. And, and, and so I had them dump, you know, just high nutrient dirt in, in, in my driveway so I could go do the project. But when they did, I didn't realize what I ordered. I mean, it was a dump truck. He said it was so high. It was higher than my, than, than my garage. It was, it, it was so wide and so big. It was a mountain of a problem I just created. He said, I was so overwhelmed and paralyzed. Did you hear those words? I was so overwhelmed and paralyzed. That's what elephants do. They, they're problems that are, they feel like mountains. They pile up. He said, I couldn't do anything. He said, until it occurred to me what I do. How do you solve a mountain-sized problem? One shovel full at a time. Say it with me. How? One shovel full at a time. He said, you know what? All I got to do, look, I don't have to solve the whole thing. I just need to do a shovel full right now. Put it in the wheelbarrow. Put a couple shovelfuls, walk it to the back, dump it. He said, for four months, I told myself one shovel full at a time. And eventually, I had a landscaped yard and the pile was gone. How do you solve elephants and evict them? One shovel full at a time. You don't have to be overwhelmed and paralyzed. It takes time. Go get it. Now listen, the team thought it would be interesting. If in the teaching, we carved out the second half of the teaching to have a little family dialogue. They said, Kevin, would you let your family come in with you, sit down and talk about maybe elephants in the room in your family growing up as you raised your kids. And so they're going to get all set for that. And so we'll do some, you know, silly ones, some sincere ones. I don't know. I, we hope it'll be helpful because we we're all from a family. We're all in a family. So while they set up for this, let me just, let me give you something. For those of you who are thinking right now, I feel like David, I've made mistakes. I got elephants. Listen, don't be hopeless. Don't listen. Don't be hopeless. We serve a God who is good all the time. He is merciful. He is forgiving. David humbled himself. Get this. He humbled himself before the Lord. He repented and returned. And did he pay prices and consequences? Yes. But was God gracious? More than you could imagine. Because the very woman of the adultery that David 
chose to engage in Bathsheba. Through that relationship, though, the first child died. The second one was Solomon. And God blessed Solomon and made him king and made Bathsheba the many generations great-grandmother of Jesus. Don't kid yourself. God is good. What? All the time. And all the time, God is what? He is good. So I'm going to run over here. Not walk over here. I got my family over here. Would you uh, welcome the family to a uh, conversation together? And uh, I guess it's, if this was a sitcom, I'd be the wacky neighbor that came over <laughs> to hang out with your family. There you go. So, uh, Kevin, for the next couple minutes, you get to take off the founding senior pastor hat, and you just get to be dad. Set it down. What's up, pops? How you doing, man? This is just, <laughs> this is just dad now for the next couple minutes. The this is your, your beautiful family. Why don't we just go down the line real quick, introduce yourselves. We've heard lots of stories about you guys over the years, so let's connect some faces and some names. Let's start here on the end. Yeah, so I'm Jake. I'm 26, and I'm the third of, of us four. Yep. I'm Jaden. I'm the youngest. I'm 17. Marcia. We know, we know beautiful Marcia. <laughs> Notice we didn't do age in detail. We're Marcia. We pray for Marcia often. Let's go here. I'm Jaleesa. I'm 31. And uh, yeah, I'm the second born. The only girl. That's right. The special one. <laughs> and has baby number, number two, two on the way. coming Woo! May. Woo! Yeah. So Little excited. boy, we're so excited. Yep. And I'm Josh. I'm the chosen eldest one. <laughs> he said that before, hasn't he, guys? <laughs> let's let's start here. We're we're gonna get, we're gonna get real, and we're gonna have some honest conversations. I want to invite the family first of all to this. Y'all want to play a, a little game of Uno? Anybody? Oh let's throw some Uno cards down. Yes. You guys, That's you guys like there, you man. guys like games, board games. You should hey. tell us you were gonna bring actual. Cards. Yeah, we brought actual cards. <laughs> and, and you guys love anxious. playing games as a family, don't you? It's oh. stress-free. No. It's not stress-free. If you're looking for a fight, you might, you might be playing a board game. I, I want to start here. Um, Jaden, I want to give you a draw two card. And I want, I want you to tell us the story behind the draw two card in this, in this family. Yeah, so it does bring some anxiety. Um, uh, so we're playing a game of Uno, which is always a treacherous thing in our family because it seems to end in tears. <laughs> Uh, Anybody else feel that way? way? You can't do board games here yeah. across campuses. It just gets too heated. Hey, I don't teach my kids how to lose well, and I don't lose well, so it gets heated. I don't know. He always, he wins and then says to teach them how to lose well. <laughs> That's the Maybe best guy Maybe because he likes to win. I don't know. He does like to win. And totally. if, you me, if you give me a bad card. If you beat him, you lose your inheritance. So, so there's no winning. That's the threat. Yeah, just, that is the threat. Why are we talking about that? This is great. I love this. Anyone else family feel healthier already? Thank you, God. People are actually wondering, does he ever say you will lose your inheritance? He does. All the time. And some of them have. You hold the card and you're like, should I play it or not? Should I play it or not? Should I play it or not? Do I want to get disowned? Yeah, that's it. It's not worth it. All right, get to your story. So we're playing, um, and I'm at this uh, point 17, Jaden's 8, and we're playing a game of Uno, and you're always looking to see, like, who's getting down to the last few cards. And Jaden's doing pretty well, and he's only got a few left, and I notice, of course, and I'm just like we are now. I'm right before him. And so I have a draw two card, and you got to play the game to win. <laughs> so I play the draw two. Jaden sees it, and you can, you can kind of see the wind come out of his sails, unfortunately. Um, but he holds it together, um, takes a couple cards, adds to his, his uh, deck. Then it comes uh, back around 
And I have another draw, too. Um, <laughs> like I said, you play Uno to win. Yes. So I play another draw, too. And at this point, it kind of turns into a complete meltdown. Yeah. I don't know why. I mean, the it's baby like, who feels eight. like he's never won a game before. This is going to be his time, right? But you have to wonder, where did I get all these cards? If I have two draw twos. Uh, and it's because earlier in the game, he had given me not one, not two, not three, but four draw fours. <laughs> when, the, when the, you know, Verda reverse, earlier in the game, it was a reverse flow. And he had, he had given me just you a had whole a deck to choose from. 16 cards. 16 yeah. cards. And, and yeah. here, here's the elephant, because this is hilarious, the Uno thing, my family as well. This is board games for us right now. Uh, here, here's the beauty. We love to look at the draw twos someone gives us and forget the draw fours we gave them. Isn't that like, like, let the cheesiness of Uno just pause for a second. <laughs> this is what we do. We count the things that people do against us and ignore the elephant, the things we did against them. And that's how elephants are birthed in a family. And there's more than just Uno. There was a season, if I understand right, where the elephant in your family was like an eight to 10 pound elephant named what, what was the name? Was it, was it, was it Mickey? The dog. Yes. What kind of dog was it? It was a Bichon Frise, or like, I think the correct way is Frise. Bichon Frise. Ooh, very bougie. Bichon Frise. They got this dog for me, okay? Okay, she wanted a dog for years, and I might not be into that, but it wasn't a cat, so... Um, <laughs> well, and the other thing is, he said, yes, we're getting a dog for Julissa. We had already three kids. Jaden wasn't here yet. And I was like, really? A dog? I don't want to take care of a dog. He's like, it's your responsibility and Julissa's. It'll be fine. <laughs> Sometimes great, you have to declare things. I did, so I didn't do a great job? Uh, <laughs> I guess not. I, this is like the joke of the family that my dog was uh, quite the, what's the word? Devil interruption. Yeah. <laughs> interruption. Yeah, I, I'll be honest. I didn't train him, and um, <laughs> that is not a skill set that I have even now. In, in some cases, you're a mother of children. <laughs> <laughs> She's I'm back learning. at it. She's got a two-year-old. I was, uh, yeah, I was thinking about when I was potty training my son. I was like, wow, this really reminds me of when I was, you know, struggling to potty train my my own Bichon. Um, but, not potty training it. <laughs> <laughs> so I guess we do have a lot of stories of Mickey kind of um, invading spaces and... Pooping and peeing everywhere. Pooping <laughs> and peeing on everything. And the, fa and the famous quote was, if, it, if you caught the dog somewhere, it was because I just, I just walked away for one second and he, yeah. and he got out. I'm like, it happens every day. Yeah. It can't just happen once at once it if it's time. every day. One time. One time. time. He got out. And you still go back. We were on a break. You still go back to it. He paid on my shoe. In my foot. He put his foot in his shoe and it was all warm and wet. so disrespectful. <laughs> he was the alpha male suddenly, Josh. You were the first and yeah, he took over. Yeah, I'm going to mark this territory. That story, though, here's the thing about... There's no explanation for that. <laughs> it was the There's one no time. Defense. It was the one time. <laughs> the one of many times. You still defend it to this day. Oh, yeah, I will. But 
The truth about that is Josh is such a great older brother, and I would just beg him, don't tell mom and dad. <laughs> don't tell mom and dad. I don't want them to know. But um, I, when I was in it, I didn't see it. I just, I loved the dog. I just wanted to hold him all the time. It never occurred to me the back-end responsibility of that. And I was so blinded by the... And it was, it was horrible. I mean, we always said is you just have to be on. Take care of the stupid yeah. dog. Mm-hmm. And quit letting them poop and pee everywhere. Take them out. And so at some point, I'm like, yeah, I heard your room stinks. I mean, clearly the dog has peed in there a few times. We ripped ripped out the carpet. It looked like a polka dot. I mean, the whole under, it was, I'm like, okay, he had peed in there a hundred times more than I had ever imagined. It was so gross. He may or may not have peed on her bed, on her pillow, on her... Comforter. Is it time for the next story? I feel like it's time for the next story. There was an eight to ten pound elephant peeing and making messes everywhere. Yes. And no one would address it. We tried. Because your Bijon Jean was very cute. (laughs) I don't know. I don't know about it. Some elephants are cute. And that's the problem. He was cute. cute. It looks cute enough that you let it run around and it just makes messes everywhere. And sometimes elephants are huge, sometimes they're ten pounds in in your case. Uh, Josh. (laughs) You're a CPA, bro. Yeah, man. You got your license. You fought hey. through. Congrats. Thank you. Thank you. It's been a couple years now, and now you're, you, you get to carry that title. It's a beautiful thing. But there was a, an interesting story leading up to that that had maybe some elephants involved in that. Why don't you kind of let us in on that sure. story? Sure. So for those of you who don't know, CPA is Certified Public Accountant. They do your taxes. They do all, the, they do all that stuff. It is. Um, and I had come out of college with my accounting degree, and it, a lot of friends, family, uh, mentors had encouraged me to get my CPA license. I mean, it was the way to go if you want to take your career to the next level. Uh, it's just what you got to do. Um, it limits you if you don't. So uh, I wasn't quite on board. I was a little iffy, but, but it seemed like the best decision, and I finally made the commitment, and that's where my wife was a part of the story. Shortly after coming out of college, we got married. I committed to her that I would get the CPA thing done. And so I started the journey. Uh, I, we paid a couple grand for a review course. Uh, and that was going to take, I mean, optimistically, it'll take you a year to get through just the testing part. So we got the course. I start studying. I'm like, all right, I could do this. It's like, it's like another year of school. And I'm doing that. I'm working full time. Um, probably about three to six months later, I take my first exam. And it rocked me. It was nothing like, like, it was nothing like high school. It was nothing like college. It was hard. It's a big boy test. Right. Um, and uh, I failed it. And I failed it pretty miserably. I, I mean, never had gotten a score like this. I mean, an F. A flat out F. I was like, whoa, that was not what I expected. That wasn't easy. Um, and that's when the elephant entered the room. I basically just quit after that. I mean, I sort of finished out part of that online course, but I never scheduled another test. I never remade that test. I kind of just stopped doing it. People stopped asking me about it. So you're, so like you're literally in marriage. You promised your wife, I'm going right. to do this. You went in, the test punched you in the face, and you went, <laughs> sat back. I'm cool for a while. And it's, and it's one of those things where like early on it felt okay, because it's like, okay, the dude just got knocked down. Like, don't pile it on. Like, like give him a break to let him. I knew that. <laughs> right. We knew not to bring it up. We knew, like, give right. Josh his space. space. But after, like, two, three, four years. <laughs> years? And you don't do anything? It's not, a, it's not a, like, this guy, it's like, this guy's, like, 
he's asleep now. <laughs> and the elephant took over the room. Yeah. And so, so how, like, instead of a marriage, when you make a promise like that, did your wife feel freedom to bring it up? Or was it honestly like truly an elephant that just sat there on the couch between you? You just let it be. My wife is too good to let it go on totally unchecked. But, but I was too good at ignoring it. So, so she would bring it up and it was kind of like, ah, oh, you know, yeah, I don't know. I don't know if I really want to do that. And that's where she's like, well, you know, you made a commitment to, to, to see this thing through. I was like, all right, all right, give me a little time. Give me a little time. And it was just constantly pushing it back, constantly trying to get out of it. Coming up with excuses, a lot of excuses. And the, the thing about elephants is either you feed them and they grow or you starve them and they shrink. And inside of that two or three years, I know for myself, whenever I, like an elephant like that exists in a marriage, it right. starts to bleed into everything. It's not just, yes. it's, it's no longer about the CPA thing. It's about yeah. the commitment. Like yes. who cares yeah. if you're a CPA or not? That's, I'm belittling it, but I'm sure. not meaning to. It really is about you looked your bride in the eyes and said, I'm going to finish this. Yep. And I'm sure if she was up here, she would say, there's questions that start to rise up about who she married and who yeah. you are. And so when you jump back on track and said, all right, it punched me in the face the first time. I'm going to punch it in the face this next time. You're going to get yeah. it done. What that did in your marriage was you started to one shovel at a time. And you didn't, I think I heard that you did like, you made the commitment that I had to, I have to break this big pile of dirt down, this big elephant down to like an hour a night. And you just yep. started driving, right? Yep. So that was basically the restart of the whole thing. I'd say about five, four, five years later, I recommitted. I got, I got more exam materials and I hit it hard. Here's the thing. The situation now is I've got a six-month-old, and my wife, now we're having totally different conversations. Uh -huh. I'm like, I'm going to have, we already know how I tried. I'm going to have to spend two hours a night doing this. We have an infant who's up all hours of the night. I, you want me to help you feed the baby, clothe the baby. I mean, this is hard. <laughs> and now it's three times harder. Yep. Oh, it's, we're suffering. I, I'm giving up time I didn't have. And she, so she had to recommit. We had to recommit to a whole new schedule. I spent, and, and the hardest part was looking at what, this mountain of stuff. I mean, the CPA exam is just enormous. And I literally had to break it down to two hours a night, eight to 10, and take it one concept at a time. And it was so overwhelming. Sometimes I would look at a concept and just think, I have no idea what this is. I don't understand this at all. I spent two hours on it. And I'm like, did I just waste a whole night? I don't know what I'm looking at still. And all I could do would say, I'll just do it again tomorrow, two hours. And that's the only way I got through it. Bro, you just said something. All I'm going to do is do it again tomorrow, two hours. That's like, all that, I It doesn't do. have to be two hours, but it's, got, it's yeah. the commitment to say, tomorrow we're taking the next shovel full. Like when you sit inside of elephants, yes. they look so, there's the joke, how do you eat an elephant? One spoonful of time, yeah. you've yeah, heard yeah, the yeah. joke. That's what this was for you. And that, there, there's elephants in our marriages, in our families, in our relationships at work. And you look at it and it's easier to just go, I'll do it tomorrow, I'll do it tomorrow. But to say, no, Tonight, I'm doing it again, yeah. and the next day, I'm doing it again, and I'm doing it again until the elephant's gone, and so, Josh, we celebrate with you, bro. You did it. Yeah. Congrats. Yeah. That's awesome. And, and I want to I sit inside one last sort of family elephant. You gave me permission to go here. I'm being quiet. Dad. Is this not the rarest moment you've ever seen, church? <sighs> just I mean, soak it in. I just, yeah, I just sat here, and we get bit my tongue. It's a beautiful thing. Uh, it's my future. <laughs> Someday. Um, so, so, Kevin, we, we've sat inside, and you, were, you gave us sort of a, you didn't give us everything because it's impossible, but the relationship you had with your dad. 
And you, you talked about it this morning, and you know, we've heard sort of the full circle story. I'm just curious of, of y'all's perspective. Um, you obviously knew your mom's parents, and that side of the family had a great relationship with them. Um, Jake, I look at you and I see your grandfather. I mean, you got the stature, you got that. Uh, Where did that come from? He got his height from me. Don't. Yeah, that's it. That's an elephant we won't talk about. Um, so I, I'm curious from your perspective, sort of both sides. Growing up, not knowing your your paternal grandparents, uh, grandfather rather, um, and knowing your your mother's side, and then the other side of it, going, your dad finally after all these years flew up dealt with the elephant with with his dad and then suddenly you hear hey grandpa's coming to thanksgiving and you're like what <laughs> like what was that experience like for you guys was this was this like an elephant sort of thing or how did you guys experience that what do you guys think yeah it was it was very unexpected i remember growing up a lot of people lived close to their grandparents and we didn't and they're like we're going to grandpa's house i stayed I spent the night at grandpa's and i'm like i only have one of them and i don't even See him that often. I don't even know the other one. So yeah, it was it was it was weird early on. It felt like something was missing a little yeah. bit. But I will say that it didn't feel like it was an open conversation. Like dad yeah. would do these things one on ones with us every week. Each one of us got like a special time with dad. We got to do a special thing with dad, and everything was fair game. Like I knew that I could say, "Hey, dad," like it wasn't is taboo. He a, yeah, we could talk about it. We could ask yeah, dad, but. And I have a similar, I mean, experience, I think. I mean, growing up early, early, I, I didn't even, I thought that was normal. Yeah. You know, mm -hmm. parent, grandparents are kind of far away. Maybe you see them, maybe you don't. <laughs> <laughs> I was like, yeah, I know a couple of them. I don't know the other. It's fine. Um, I did realize kind of growing up that in other, you know, kids' circumstances, they know they're really close to their grandparents. And right. I was like, yeah, I don't really know, like, a couple. And I don't yeah, know your dad. And um, I will agree. I think we addressed it, like, once or twice. Um, and it, it wasn't off limits. And so it didn't feel like an elephant to me, right. but it did feel like uh, it was kind of sad. And I personally didn't really want to keep, keep, keep talking about it yeah. almost. And like, it seemed like it was resolved as much as it could be. And, and I, I kind of, I was able to take that at least. What did it feel like at Thanksgiving? This guy you didn't know shows up. That's your blood. Like this is yeah. your family. <clears throat> you didn't know him. <clears throat> he shows up. What was that experience like for you guys? Well, you got to take it back a little bit because we also had the experience of seeing dad kind of be extremely vulnerable on stage. Mm -hmm. And that was kind of like a huge shift of even me as like a young adult, kind of like seeing that, wow, God is probably going to continue to call me to deeper things. He's going to call me to unearth things. And I just couldn't believe that this was happening, that dad was on stage, you know, sharing this story so vulnerable and, and crying. And, you know, I'm sure did that kind of like mess with you guys? Absolutely. Yeah, yeah. for sure with me. So yeah. that was like the precursor to Thanksgiving. Thanksgiving. So that moment was huge. And I think if we didn't have that moment, it would have been awkward. But what did you guys think? Did you think it was awkward? I didn't think it was awkward. No, I didn't at all. I mean, he, he came down. Obviously, we, I hadn't seen him. I didn't really know yeah, him. Yeah, we um, never really met him. But it, which, you know, obviously in its own right is kind of weird. Um, <laughs> but I think meeting him was like meeting a, a new person and someone else's grandparent almost, I would say. Yeah, but yeah. there's no awkwardness inherently um, with him. It was just 
we don't know him very well, so let's get to know like him kind of thing. It's like a whole new thing, like a whole yeah. new relationship to start. Yeah, for yeah. sure. He looks a lot like our dad. Yeah. I think that was my first impression was, there's been a man this whole life that looks just like my dad? What? Like, I was, that was the biggest shock to me. So he's very handsome, obviously. He's a very, very dapper-looking man. They look very similar. But... And, and here's what I love about that story. We were talking beforehand. Man, what God did in you and in the life of this church by you being vulnerable about the elephant. And it's, it's easy as this founding senior pastor that you're not right now, but you will be in two minutes again. Uh, it's easy to put the good stuff forward. And the reality is we've all got elephants, don't we? Yeah, we do. And I think in, people who listen in on the story or watch it over the years or hear me talk about dad, uh, they think the elephant in the room is the, uh, the distance. And that's really not. The elephant in the room happened when I was 16. And I asked dad, how is it that you talk this and live this? And when you're young and you watch your father acclaim something but live something else, the pretense that exists between the gap, not that anybody has to be perfect, but that you have to own your stuff. You know, I, have to, I can't play games with the kids and say, yeah, I'm not competitive. Well, that's not going to work. They, they know I'm they know cheating better. to win um, to help to teach them how to lose. It's, it's, a, it's a gracious, fatherly thing. Uh, so when my dad said, no, I follow Christ, and I knew he didn't, I knew that was the beginning of the end. When we sat down on um, still can't do it. We sat down in January of 2019. I said, Dad, I just need one answer. Do you remember when I was 16? And it took everything in me to ask you, how do you claim to follow Christ and not? And he said, let me stop you. I lied to you, son. That did more healing of our relationship for him to own the elephant. And say, I wasn't following Christ. You were right. And since then, I've gotten on track in my faith. And I, I've walked with Christ. I, so for what it's worth, it's, it's, if you would just have the courage to own it, it, ha, it does great healing. Um, that's it. I, gone. And thank you for sharing openly, honestly. And we want to we acknowledge the fact that there's elephants that have happened here. And we look at this family and go, well, you guys are perfect. You got it together, right? Well, there's elephants and you have elephants. Everyone has elephants somewhere. And the beauty of the gospel is that if you'll own the elephants, what the Holy Spirit can do, what the power of Christ can do is rescue. And Kevin, I said this backstage and I mean it. What Jesus did through you, you should have brought the elephants from your dad into this family. And apart from Christ, you would have brought elephants to this family that would have been passed to you guys and now your grandkids in the next generation. And Christ has the power to break a cycle, to break a yoke, to break, to break the elephants that we pass down, but it takes your surrender. And what you had to do is you didn't have to solve this. You had to surrender. And maybe today that's what the Holy Spirit's speaking. There's an elephant you need to acknowledge Maybe you've had an elephant passed down to you. Maybe you've created an elephant and it's just growing in the corner over three, four, five years, Josh. Maybe, maybe it's, it's, it's the things that everyone sees that, that we won't want to talk about. And maybe today the Holy Spirit would say, we're going to deal with that elephant. 
And so I want to pray over the church. Would you guys sort of pray with me? And maybe you just kind of sit and you'd put your hands out here at home across the campuses and you just say, God, if there's an elephant I don't see, would you show it to me? God, if there's an elephant we all know about and we don't have the, the courage and boldness to address it, God, would you give us the courage? So let me pray over you. Holy Spirit, right in this moment, would you speak specifically to the tens of thousands that are listening? You are almighty. You are overall. You are all powerful. And yet you can speak individually. God, there are families that are one eviction away from a healthy family. There are, there are relationships that are, that are one elephant eviction away from having the relationship they would, they would, they've dreamed of. Holy Spirit, would you make us aware of the elephants? God, would you give us the courage to address them? And for most of us, the way we address them are going to be just like Josh. One day, the next day, the next day, shovelful after shovelful. And Jesus, would you break generational elephants? Would you break days, weeks, months, years of elephants existing? And God, would you break them and give us the relationship, the family, the marriage we've dreamed of because we would just surrender and say, God, I can't fix this, but I can surrender it to you. And as families do that, even today here across this territory, across the United States, as they start to do that, would you give them breakthrough in family? And would there be uh, moments, days, weeks, months, decades down the road that kids say, like they've said today, when that happened, dad, everything changed. When that happened, mom, everything changed in our family. So Jesus, through your power, would you, would you evict elephants today? In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you again for spending time with us today. A special thanks to those of you who generously give through 12 Stone. It is because of you that this ministry is possible. And if you want to learn more about 12 Stone, make sure you follow us on social at 12 Stone Church and check out a location or a watch party near you. And if you enjoyed the podcast, you could subscribe, share it with your friends, hit the share button, or even take a screenshot and throw it in your social stories. And make sure to tag 12 Stone Church. Let it be a blessing to somebody else. Thank you again, and we'll catch you on the next one.